it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Free kick for Atleti. Good opportunity to give a shout to a blog, a, a US fan club of Atletico Madrid called Into the Calderon. Do some really good content for all followers of the Colchoneros. A decent base in the United States as well, following the action on ESPN+. Give them a follow. At into the corridor. Let's go. It's time for a new Colchonero chat. A Monday afternoon pod. I'm Jeremy, joined by Sam. How are you, man? I'm good, thank you, Jeremy. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I no longer have any nails left on my fingers after that game on, on Sunday. Um, mm. but other than that, yeah, all good. Oh, the, the past two games, because we didn't do one after the Ryle game, which had a, a similarly nervy ending to what transpired between Atletico and Almeria on Sunday. Uh, I, before we talk about Almeria, Sam, any stray thoughts, uh, spare thoughts on... Atletico's trip to Vallecas last weekend, which was another 2-1 win for the Colchoneros. Well, this is why it's weird, right? Because these two games are quite so similar yeah. in so many ways. But yeah, I think we're seeing the best that this team, this system, these tactics have to offer us. But at the same time, we're also seeing little moments of weakness that show why Atleti are in third place despite their form over the last few months. And I mean, Vallecas is a very tough place to go and 
and it's really kind of about grinding out those wins. And so that was a, a very good three points, I would say. I mean, Rayo's home record has been superb under Iola since he came in. And to go there and take three points away, I think, is a, a really strong strong showing from Atleti, even with everything else going on and also changing on the team and, and everything. I mean, I feel like there were a lot of ele- different elements to that game that made it an interesting one um, with Oranjel Correa and so on. So, yeah, I feel like that was a, a very positive result for Atleti for more than just the three points and, and the win itself, but also for what it meant for the squad and, and the players with everything else going on off the pitch as well. Yeah, with the, the tribute to Correa, Nahuel Molina scoring his first goal for the club, holding up Correa's number 10 shirt. And for a, a large portion of that game, probably 80, 90% of it, it was a really professional display from Atletico. They looked really sharp, really in control. Uh, the Fran Garcia Golazzo made things very interesting at the end uh, for 10-man for Ryle, but ultimately Atletico held on. Kind of, as you mentioned, kind of similar vibes on Sunday's game, this past Sunday's game at the, the Metropolitano. Another 2-1 win for Atletico. They're sixth in a row in La Liga, 13 unbeaten in the competition, keeping up with Real Madrid, two points behind Los Blancos in second place, and I think 11 points behind FC Barcelona, uh, Atletico's next opponent, and we'll talk about that at the end of the program. Um Really, really good display by Atletico yesterday, Sam. Uh, for Not for the entire game. I think the final 20 minutes were a bit messy, and we'll talk about why that was. Um, but what were your general takeaways from at least the first roughly 70 minutes of Sunday's game against Almeria? Yeah, I think for, for 95% of the first 75 minutes were incredible. I mean, yeah. really attractive football, very dynamic, full of energy, full of uh, full of attacking intent. I mean, everything that, that anybody could want from Atletico Madrid. I mean, I imagine Jao Felix was probably watching it from London thinking, why, why isn't it like this when I was there? So, <laughs> because it was it was that good. It was very quick. It was very on the counter or even in possession, moving the ball forward all the time. And there was kind of a, a 15, 20-minute spell in that second half where where it felt like Anne-Marie couldn't even get out of their own penalty box. It felt like they were really penned in. And just every time Atleti decided to try and find a way through, they do it. And, and in the end, the, the Anne-Marie goalkeeper, Fernando Plando Pacheco, I think, that made some incredible saves. And I mean, it really could have been 4-5-6-0. And I was thinking back to that game against Sevilla, and I was thinking it wasn't that different in terms of the chances that were there. I mean, I think it was just that had a bit more luck in front of goal, had a bit more clinical finishing perhaps, but not a huge difference. And of course, that penalty handball call, if that had gone out Letty's way, it maybe could have opened the, the floodgates and the goals could have flowed in. Um, so, yeah, I think there was some excellent football for, for the vast majority of this game. Yeah, absolutely. 64% possession for Atletico. Almeria without a shot on target. They did get a goal through uh, a Jose Jimenez own goal, which we'll talk about. 0.2 expected goals on two shot attempts for the visitors. Atletico generating around 2.5 XG from, I think, 19 attempts? Yeah, 19 attempts, 7 shots on target. Um, and just really confident, fluid football throughout. Antoine Griezmann with another brilliant game. Led all players with eight shots, three on target, scored twice, could have had a hat trick, but 
uh, yeah, yeah, Fernando, the Almeria goalkeeper, uh, made a couple really good saves. Uh, Yannick Carrasco hit the inside of the post around the hour mark. That also could have made it 3-0. There was a pretty stonewall handball uh, that the referee, uh, what was his name? Uh, Isidro, I can't, I can't remember his name. Diaz de Meda, yeah, Isidro uh, Diaz de Meda, that he just decided wasn't the penalty. He said the Almeria defender was tucking in his arm when he very clearly wasn't. Uh, there was a, a potential appeal for a penalty um, on the other end in the 89th minute, uh, but it was called back for offside. So a, a really eventful game, but not a chaotic game, and definitely one Atletico would have won three, four, five to one on another day. I feel like we start by talking about Griezmann a lot, Sam, but he's just, he's that good. He gives us no shortage of things to talk about. Uh, 11 goals in La Liga now, uh, eight assists, 19 goal contributions, one of the top marks in the league, uh, 69 touches, eight shot creating actions, uh, that total leading all players on the afternoon. Um, is he the MVP of La Liga, Sam, and currently the best player in Spain? Yes, a hundred million gazillion percent <laughs> for me he, he is. I mean, I wrote about my three things column on Sunday evening, but I think that for me the big thing with Griezmann is that he has been this good all season. Even when we think back to Atleti's worst, we were still saying then the best player is Antoine Griezmann. The only player who looks like he's capable of creating anything is Antoine Griezmann. And maybe at that point we wouldn't say he's the best player in the league right now, but he was Atletico's best player. He was the guy who could create something out of nothing. He was the guy who could change a game. And I think the perhaps it's not so much... Well, I think it is, a, it is that Antoine Griezmann is very, very good. He's in excellent form. And just in this role, he just seems to do everything. He defends, he attacks, he creates, he scores. He, he just does everything. But also the fact that the other contenders, so to speak, for this this award just haven't maintained that consistency. I mean, Karim Benzema or Lewandowski, Pedri, or I'm trying to think, there aren't that many other candidates that stand out to me off the top of my head. Um, none of them have maintained that throughout the season and been fully consistently brilliant throughout the full season. They've all had their ups and downs. Maybe their ups are higher than, than Griezmann's highs have been and maybe their downs are lower than, than Griezmann's lows have been. But I think just having that consistently higher level is what sets Griezmann apart from anybody and everybody else. I think the only other player who could even enter into that conversation is perhaps Marc-Andre Ter Stegen. But if we get into that, comparing a goalkeeper to a player like Griezmann is a very difficult comparison to make and then I think the, your end decision comes down to uh, how you value those positions more than how you value their performances because I think Griezmann by some distance is, has been kind of the, the outstanding player for Atleti and, and the most consistent player for Atletico through the season. Yeah, you, you, the natural inclination is to wonder where this Atletico side would be without Griezmann who's been in this form all season, even when he was playing 30 minutes a night from the bench while Atletico were negotiating with Barcelona over uh, his obligation uh, to buy. Season, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it feels like it was a while ago, but that was this season into, into know, the end of September. August, September, saying no, Atletico shouldn't sign Griezmann. 40 million is way too much. <laughs> but 20 million now is a bargain for a player who's 
who's doing this well and means so much. Uh, as you said, Sam, his all-around game, his contribution uh, to Atletico's recovery in the second half of the season, you really cannot understate it, just how important and essential and fundamental he has been. Uh, two very well-taken goals in this game. The first, a header inside five minutes from a Yannick Carrasco corner. Angel Correa back in the team uh, following his mother's passing last week. Uh, Correa flicks it on at the near post to Griezmann at the back post. Griezmann's being dragged down by an Almeria defender and still heads it into the top of the net. The second goal after Almeria equalized, a really nice team move. Koke and Correa linking up outside the box. Yannick Carrasco playing that final ball. Uh, Griezmann snuck in behind uh, the youngster Kaiki, a 19-year-old Brazilian defender. Stuck out his leg to try to block the pass, but it was far too late. Griezmann had basically already put it in the net. And the goal was initially chalked off for offside because, of course, it was. We love Spanish referees. Um, but it counted. It was ultimately the winner. Um, no other player in La Liga has won more points for his team than Griezmann. 18 points on his own. So you take away those 18 points, and it is... An extremely different story for Atletico. They would be fighting for your for Elche, Europa League place. What's that? Is that more than Elche? Yeah, yes, it is. I think it's five more points than Elche. He's as he's been better than all of Elche put together. <laughs> he himself is better than Elche. <laughs> they have thirteen yeah, points 13 all year. Points. Yeah. Holy Antoine Griezmann alone is five points better than than Elche. That's incredible. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. That's amazing. Just that tells you what you need to know. He himself is better than than a whole team of players. Well, I think he's probably trying to have a good go with it as well, defending, goalkeeping, scoring, doing doing all eleven yeah. jobs. I mean, and, and it really, to me, Sam, it, it really is either Griezmann or or Ter Stegen, but it's really difficult to compare. You know, a goalkeeper to what Griezmann's role has been a forward slash midfielder and interior playmaker. I mean, both players have saved a ton of points and won a ton of games for their teams, but it's really difficult to compare and estimate those impacts. Maybe someday in the future, we'll be able to develop metrics that do that. But from the Atletico point of view, I don't really think there is a debate. He is clearly this team's most valuable player. Um, and, um, I really think that's all that, that all that needs to be said. He is this team's MVP, and I think you can make a convincing argument that he is the MVP of the whole league. Um, another performance that really caught my eye on Sunday was that of Yannick Carrasco, uh, who looked really up for this one from the go. Um, you know, it put in one of his better displays of the season. Of course, it is it was against a relegation candidate, but you know, semantics. Uh, he really enjoyed the matchup with uh, Hubalong Mendes. The uh, French right wing back for Almeria, who was forced off on the hour with what looked like a hamstring injury. Carrasco just ran him ragged. Uh, assisted the eventual winning goal. Uh, 92 touches. Uh, really good, incisive, ex explosive display that deserved a goal. Um, assuming he leaves this summer, Sam, how much will Atletico miss him? Well, what a question. Um, I don't know. Jeremy, I really don't know because Yannick Carrasco, on his day, when he's on it, when he wants to be good, I feel like, yeah, I mean, Antoine Griezmann got the goals and so on, but I feel like this game probably would have had a different result if it wasn't Yannick Carrasco and how he played against Almeria. I mean, everything seems to be coming down that left-hand side and Antoine Griezmann said that much. He said, I want to highlight Yannick Carrasco's work because everything was coming down the left and, and it's true. I mean, he was absolutely superb, but... This is the issue with with Yannick Carrasco is that for every one game like this, there will be another one or two where 
you almost forget he's on the pitch and you just think, Yannick Alasco, if you were on it like this in every game, nobody would be talking about Vinicius. You would be, if Barcelona were coming after you, they'd be paying 180 million, not 18 million. Mm. But this is the thing with Yannick Alasco, you have to have him on his game, motivated, focused, and if he isn't, then then it's just not even worth including in the team. And I think that's going to be the big issue for, for Atletico this summer is if Barcelona don't come in for him, I think that would be a little bit crazy given some of Barcelona's recent signings to not take advantage of Yannick Carrasco um, for €18 million. Euros. But if they don't come in to, for him and he does stay at Atleti, I mean, would he be motivated? Would it be better to try and ship him out to the Premier League or whoever will take him? rather than keep him on if he doesn't want to stay at Atletico because I think he's one of the players with the natural talent, uh, the biggest natural talents in this squad. But at the same time, he's one of the players who I wouldn't mind leaving because I feel like Atleti haven't been able to get the best out of him. And that's a, that's not a criticism of Atleti or, or Diego Simeone. I just don't think anybody can get that best out of him. Consistently, I think Diego Simeone is an excellent coach for Yannick Carrasco, and I think his decision to come back to Atletico from China says that he clearly likes working with Diego Simeone and, and can kind of thrive under that. But I just feel like you can't get that consistency and that motivation out of Yannick Carrasco to, to truly exploit his full potential. But I'm not sure that he'll be able to do that at Barcelona. He'll probably be on the bench more often than he is in the starting lineup either. So. It's a very strange case with Yannick Carrasco. He's a very strange player and always has been, even when Atletico first acquired him from Monaco, you know, all those years ago. Only the, and not, the numbers bear it out. He only has five goal contributions this year, 12 the year before, 16 the year before that when Atletico were league champions. And a lot of those uh, goals and assists in the 2021 season, Sam, came in about a six-week period in April and May when Atletico were really struggling uh, Luis Suarez was injured. Uh, Madrid and Barcelona were gaining. It was really tight, and Carrasco, like Angel Correa, stepped up and helped Atletico win the title. Uh, that Carrasco we haven't seen very frequently this year. I don't really think it's a coincidence that uh, the best version of Yannick Carrasco has been seen since the World Cup. He was dreadful in the first half of the season. Uh, I don't think that's controversial to say. He was really, really bad. Um, and it has slowly gotten better over the course of the campaign, but there were questions about his motivation. There have long been questions about Carrasco's decision-making and how much he really likes playing wing-back or likes playing on on the right. Um, Simeone kind of had to try to juggle that uh, through Carrasco's six, seven years at Atletico across two stints is where is... Where am I going to get the best out of Yannick Carrasco? Where is he going to be the most motivated? Um, where am I most likely to get a good performance out of him? And to be fair to Carrasco, he has been really good at left wing back since Radiono's injury. Uh, Nahuel Molina has been really good on the other flank. Right now, this is working. Um, so yeah, it, it's it is a difficult question to answer uh, because maybe you know Barcelona, I think, would be kind of crazy not to. You know, take up that option to buy, especially if it's between ten and twenty million, which is what reports have said it's going to be. Um, Atletico should be looking for a younger profile. Barca probably should too, but there's not really denying any Carrasco's talent. What what is debatable is what you're gonna 
get out of him. This is one of his most inspired performances, but you know, Carrasco, like Morata, who we're going to talk about next, Sam, is really kind of a Jekyll and Hyde player. Yeah, I think that's almost kind of the issue that Atleti have had this season, and that they have too many of these players. And I think that the issue for Atleti was that a lot of them were off their game at the same time, and and now a lot of them are on their game at the same time. I think probably the reality of Atletico's season is somewhere in between. They're not quite as good as we've been in the last few weeks, and at the same time, we're not quite as bad as we were just before the World Cup. And the reality is somewhere in between, but. With this squad, there just seem to be so many players who have those fluctuations. And and I think that's kind of why Aleti are kind of missing the players, the players like Gabby or players like Raul Garcia, who yeah. you knew that they were never going to be world beaters. They were never going to be a world-class player. But you knew that every week, you knew the kind of level that they would perform to. You knew the kind of role they would do. And that's the issue that we have now with this Aleti squad is that a player like Yannick Carrasco, a player like Alvaro Morata, they can win games for you on their own, but they can also contribute absolutely nothing. And, and it's that fluctuation, which I think as a coach, that must be incredibly frustrating for, for Diego Simeone. But I also think it's why LAT fans have come to love Reynildo as an example, because that is Reynildo. Reynildo is a Gabi Raul Garcia, who nobody is going to select Reynildo in their best ever Atletico eleven, But if you have to pick your team of the season this season, most of us will probably include Reynildo in some shape or form because he's just the only player from August through to December you could put out there week in, week out, and you knew that you would get a 6, 7 out of 10 performance. And you probably wouldn't get any 8 or 9 out of 10s, and you probably wouldn't get any 4 or 5 out of 10s, but you knew it was always going to be 6 or 7. And that's the issue with Carrasco with Morata is that, yeah, one game is an 8 or 9, but the next is a 4 or 5, and... And it's a really difficult one as a coach to build your squad. And I feel like that's where I let you have gone wrong a little bit because these players do come at cheaper rates in the market because if they were consistently eight or nine out of tens, they'd be at 10 times the price that Letty couldn't compete. And that's kind of why I let you do this. But I do feel like that we've lost that, that kind of stable core with players who are just consistently okay that was kind of part of Cholismo and part of, of building that uh, some of the great Atleti teams was was having those players. I mean, even looking back to that season in, in 2020, 2021, you know, players like Mario Hermoso, who he wasn't the best defender in the world, but he played consistently well through that season. And since Christmas, we've seen that as well. So, yeah, just having those kind of stable influences in the squad, I feel like make a, makes a huge difference. Yeah, Gabby was so reliable. You could always count on him. Godin was always reliable. You could always count on him to be there. Um, Arda Turan as well for two or three seasons was Mr. Consistency on that that um, on on the flank as that wide playmaker. Uh, Simeone is working with basically a 17-man squad right now. Um, Memphis and Savage, part of that 17-man base, weren't available Sunday. Jose Jimenez suffered as a result, letting in an own goal at the end of the first half, which we'll get to. Um, but you look at the other the players in this squad who don't play. Jeffrey Kondogbia once again did not play and actually picked up a yellow card despite not playing. Uh, Sergio Regulon, Matt Dofferty, uh, Tomale Ma didn't play. Um, Sal Naguez gets on in the 94th minute when Simeone had only used two out of five available substitutes. Uh, th- this is a, a squad that clearly has talent, as we've talked about, but... Who are the most consistent players here? Griezmann, Koke, 
all black. In, in other words, the linchpins who have been in and around this squad for the better part of a decade. Um, and those are the guys who are going to be the toughest to replace. And I do not want to be in the room when Atletico are deciding how they're going to replace those players. But we don't have to talk about that today. I don't have to get anxiety over that. Uh, you have a squad with other guys like... You know, give you a chill pill, Jeremy. <laughs> yeah, I need one. Um, you know, with Jimenez, who through injury or form just can't be relied on every week. Rodrigo DePaul has been up and down, you know. Urente, I think, is another one who who has been kind of a, a consistently a core player, um, but he's suspended for the Barca game next week, pending a possible Atletico appeal due to yellow card yeah. accumulation. Witzel's barely played um, in, in recent weeks. He got a rare start on Sunday in place of Savage. Carrasco, Hermoso has been wonderful, but I, again, his the previous two seasons were awful before these last few months. Um, so you have the small squad that Simeone likes, but most of the players in it are going to run either real hot or real cold. And Alvaro Morata might be the most emblematic of running hot versus running cold. Um, Morata comes on in the 65th minute on Sunday, Sam, and Atletico's uh, level immediately drops. Uh, he comes on uh, in place of Correa. Which, I, which on its face, I think, makes sense. But when Morata comes on, Atletico immediately slow down. They get so static. And part of what was working so well against this Almeria back line, um, this five-man defense that Ruby put out there, is because Atletico were shifting attack points really well. Griezmann was dropping deep into midfield. Correa was dropping deep. Uh, in, you had Carrasco torching Almeria's right side in the first half, and in the second half, Llorente and Molina were able to link up uh, for some really nice passages of play. And then all that changed when Morata came on. Yeah, and also the the press became quite disjointed whenever yeah. Morata came on. But I think there was a, a telling moment just as he came on a couple of minutes after when he was running through and the ball came off the back of his own heel as he was running. And the pass back to him kind of bounced off and, and went away and lost possession. I think that kind of set the tone for the afternoon. But also, to be fair to Alvaro Morata, I feel like it was quite a difficult one for him, this one, because as we were saying earlier on, it was very fluid, very fast, very intense kind of football. And to come on as a substitute into that kind of situation, it could be quite tricky. And Alvaro Morata is not Angel Correa. They're very two very different type of kind of number nines. I think we saw that when we had Memphis Depay starting and Alvaro Morata coming in, that was a more like-for-like kind of swap. And that was where Morata could come in and immediately make an impact. But coming on Van Helcoreo, coming on earlier in the season for Jao Felix or whatever it may have been, it's not the same swap. It's not a like-for-like. So then the whole team is adjusting how they're playing. At the same time as Morata is trying to catch up and get into the rhythm of the game, and I don't think it it ever really happened. And I mean, going back to what you were saying about the, the lack of options or the squad size, it was interesting watching the players warming up down the touchline because there were only four players that warmed up at all and and they were the three subs of Saul, who got a couple of minutes, Morata, um, Pablo Barrios and Thomas Lemar, who eventually didn't get on. But, I mean, I think it says a lot about the squad options and so on that Diego Simeone has, but also about seeing these players get more and more tired and, and so on, because I think it was tiredness that was costing Atletico towards the end of this game and just the fatigue setting in. And Diego Simeone clearly didn't feel like he could call on too many of those players to come in and change the game. But, I mean, Morata struggled. I don't think Pablo Barrios had his best game. I think he kind of had the same issue that was coming in and and being a little bit almost kind of thrown in the deep end and 
and struggling to to catch up with the rhythm of the game and and settle in. And I think that's probably a situation that Atleti have to work on over the next few weeks is rotating this squad around a little bit more and still being able to maintain this kind of performance like we saw for the first 60, 70 minutes. Yeah, because it was really kind of in the snap of a finger, Sam, that Atletico were playing, again, this really confident, fluid, fast-moving football that, you know, that a lot of supporters often clamor for. Uh, and then in the last 20 minutes, it, it really, um, Atletico's press really kind of fell away. Almeria made some really positive changes. Uh, Ramazani comes in with 20 minutes to go as part of a triple change. Um, and instantly creates danger uh, from a wide area where Almeria previously could not even get the ball out of their own defensive third. Almeria were just being smothered for almost the entire game to that point. Um, somehow still had a goal, though, because Jose Jimenez put it in his own net. Um, really, a, really a weird one. Almeria get a goal in this game despite not having a, a shot on target. And that, in part, made the game and the ending of it more nervy than it had to be. Jeremy, I have a confession for you. What's that? I have an irrational hatred of Axel Witzel. <laughs> I don't know why, but I just can't stand watching him. It's, it's just, he's not a central defender. He's no longer really a midfielder. I don't really know what he does. I don't really know what he contributes. He seems to get injured every five minutes, but not even like injured and then he's out for a few games. Injured that he's on the pitch and he goes down and he's down for quite a while on the pitch. And I mean, there are certain things in his game where you say, okay. And there were a couple of times where he got caught for pace and you say, okay, this is a 34-year-old guy. I mean, he's going to get beaten for pace. We just have to accept that. That's why he's... But then there were times where I think this goal was one of them where he just completely switched off. And yeah. it was like he was kind of like looking into the stands, I don't know, looking at somebody's banner asking them to give him his shirt instead <laughs> of looking at the game or the ball. And it was like, come on, I mean, you accept that from a young guy or, or something like that. You'd accept it if Pablo Barrios got caught distracted and not really paying attention. But for an experienced pro like Axel Witzel to be making those kind of mistakes, I mean... Just mind-blowing, and the fact that he's going to be here at Leti for another year unless somebody tries to take him off our hands. Uh, it, it fills me with dread. I feel like we kind of got rid of Felipe and replaced him with... Witzel. With a guy with a very different but just nice haircut. <laughs> we, we, we do love a good fro. He does have the afro. Uh, and that's a plus, but it's not It's not really a big plus, is it? Yeah, I mean, Witzel, the honeymoon phase ended some time ago. And it feels like a long time ago that he was dropping really 7 out of 10, 8 out of 10 even, performances in central defense. It feels like the August and September games were a real long time ago. I, I, Witzel's one virtue, I guess, is his passing. He misplaced only one pass on... Um, on Sunday, 61 out of 62, nine progressive passes. But oh, That's easy when most of your passes are to the guy stood next to you. That's right? true. <laughs> or when they're really short-range passes and you're not trying 40-yard diagonals like Mario like Hermoso that, drives. Yeah, like the FIFA thing where you just want to boost your passing stats and you're 4-0 up and you just pass it between the centre-backs. <laughs> just want to maintain 75% possession. That's what I want. Uh, but Witzel just, yeah, he's in large part shares responsibility with Jimenez for this goal because Leo Baptistao, who loves a goal against Atleti, I think he has four or five of them now since he left the club nearly 10 years ago, Baptistao just kind of shoves him off. Like, 
Axel, you're a center back. You're a central defender. You're supposed to get in his face. You're supposed to stop him from advancing on the ball into the penalty area. And Witzel just kind of goes down easily. Um, Jimenez has to cover. Jimenez has to, to dive and try to block the shot attempt, which he does. But unfortunately, it goes in. It just floats in past Oblak. But yeah, Jimenez yeah, really that's, suffered that's on Sunday. Where- well, Whitson is different because I do feel like Karamosso, I do feel like Jimenez, I do feel like Savage or Inilda would have just taken the tactical foul. If they were going down, they'd just crab out an arm and pull Van Bliavati's oh, yeah. shirt and take yeah. him down. they take the yellow card and they take the free kick. But, uh, I mean, for Axel Witzel, you'd think that as an experienced pro and somebody who's played at a very high level that he would have that same kind of attitude. But, I don't know, it just kind of feeds into this irrational dislike of him that I have that I feel like he's kind of here I don't know just the the stuff in the press complaining about not playing and so on I don't get the same feeling of you know like a David Villa or Luis Suarez who's come to Atleti to kind of their one last big club show that they've still got it fight and give everything they've got left I feel like he's more I want to come and experience Spain and the sun and and earn a decent wage at the same time. Well, that's great. You can go play for Elche then. <laughs> you can go play for, for a team lower in the table. Uh, the, the, the demands here are higher. And Witzel, I, I think, there's kind of an, also an element of this, I think, that where Witzel thinks he's, he's too elegant to get involved in those kinds of duels. He's not used to them because he's not a natural center back. He's a number five. He's a pivot. He's supposed to be helping build up play in a possession-based team and, and Atletico aren't always a possession-based team as we know. Uh, the, the frustration with Witzel is very understandable, Sam, and I, I've said this a few weeks ago and I'll say it again, I don't really... Almeria, I guess, is the kind of ideal opponent for him, right? They're a team fighting relegation. They're on the road where they haven't won a single game this year and now 14 tries. This is the best kind of game for Witzel where the stakes are supposed to be kind of low and even still, the last two goals Atletico have conceded at the Metropolitano, Sam, were with Witzel on the pitch. This one on Sunday and the goal in the 6-1 and the series goal in the 6-1 against Sevilla. I don't think that is coincidental. No, not at all. I, mean, I think, I don't know. I just, I see why Atleti signed him. I see why he's here. I, I feel like even Diego Simeone kind of saw him as a valuable asset in the first half of the season when there wasn't much else available and now it's yeah we don't really need you anymore I'd like to think that I mean, there's a lot of talk of this contract clause kicking in after he played at the weekend but I'd like to think that there's some kind of agreement or plan that he won't be around next season um, yeah. just because I think logically Aleti do need to rebuild that defence and I'm not sure that you can rebuild a defence with a player like Axel Witzel filling in as kind of the, the third or fourth choice central defender but I mean even now, if Reynildo was fit, would he have played at the weekend? I mean, there's a lot of a lot of factors, um, and we all know that Atleti don't have too much money to be going and spending on on anybody at the moment. But yeah, not without. If there was one player, I would be happy. I mean, even Jeffrey Kondogbia, I wouldn't mind Jeffrey Kondogbia staying. I'm not sure he's the best player in the world, but if he stays, I don't think it's it's an issue. Axel Witzel, I feel like him being in the squad is a bit of an issue. Yeah, he's going to be 35 next year. And I know La Liga has become a league for older players. It's become a more defensive league with all the forward talent that has left or just simply not arrived. 
But Witzel and the defense as a whole, Sam, I don't think Serienja, who's going to come in from Leicester on a free transfer, I don't think he's the solution either. I think there's a reason he was available on a free transfer and why before this past weekend, when Leicester got shelled by Man City, I think there was a reason he had played just, I think, one game, literally one game this season before this past weekend after Leicester sacked Brandon, uh, Brandon Rogers. So Atletico have a lot of, of shuffling to do on the on the defense, reshuffling to do on the defense, and not a whole lot of money to do it. So needless to say, it will be really interesting to see what they do there. And I also think, I don't know if you agree, but I also think this team needs another killer forward. And that is also going to be tricky because Atletico could be carrying five forwards next year if Joao Felix returns from his Chelsea loan. Because you'll have Memphis, you'll have Griezmann, you'll have Correa, you'll have Morata, uh, and you'll have maybe, maybe not Joao Felix. Uh, and again, I, I don't know if you agree or not, but with so many of the chances Atletico had yesterday, they needed to put a third or a fourth goal on the board and, and a, a better team uh, relative to Almeria, a better team would have been able to maybe get that second goal. Maybe it finishes 2-2. Maybe it finishes 1-1. Either way, Atletico might not win this game against another opponent. I think it also says a lot, doesn't it, that we're, what, 13 games unbeaten and here we are complaining about that. I know. <laughs> we can't be satisfied. <laughs> no, but I do get what you're saying. I do get where you're coming from. And, I mean, since that 6-1, and I mean, we had the 3-0 with Valencia, but we haven't looked kind of really deadly in front of goal. And, and that was the feeling in San Maria as well, was that we were creating a lot, but we weren't finishing a lot. Right. And, yeah, I think with that, with that list of strikers, it's... It's the same thing. All of them are the kind of strikers that you say, yeah, I'd like him in the squad, but he's not going to be the main man. But the issue is that we have five of those guys. And that doesn't give you room or the budget or anything to have that sixth guy who's going to be the main man and to rotate the other five around him. Yeah, and it's just not going to happen. I think everybody, 98% of Atletico Madrid fans would agree that moving Jao Felix on is the priority in the summer. I'd take... 80 million if if somebody offered it and take the the 40 50 million euro hit um on him because i just don't see any future for him at atletico and i feel like if he was loaned out for another season it's probably more likely this value will not drop even further than where he is right now and i think chelsea has kind of shown him up in a lot of ways in a similar way to to saul and i mean we saw saul at atletico that playing out of position, wasn't very happy and wanted to go and prove himself and do that at Chelsea and we saw that all it did was say actually you're far better off playing out of position at Atletico Madrid than, than anywhere else and and Jao Felix is now going through that for himself and I think it was a pretty disastrous choice of move which I think reflected the fact that there weren't many teams in for him and I think it says a lot and, and you wonder in the dressing room if there were any players who weren't 100% convinced in this kind of Jao versus Cholo debate, you'd think now they're going to be saying, yeah, I'm going to stick with Cholo because he does actually know what he's talking about. It's not just his defensive football or whatever Mateus Cunha's dad is busy saying, but <laughs> there is more to it. I really didn't think when the season began, Sam, that all of Renan Lodi... Felipe Montero, Matias Cunha, and Joao Felix would be playing in the bottom half of the Premier League while Atletico were two points off second in La Liga. But here we are. Uh, Diego Simeone has once again 
emerged victorious. And, and just for the listener, a quick Joao Felix update. If you didn't catch Chelsea's game over the weekend, uh, he uh, directly contributed to Brighton's uh, winning goal at Stamford Bridge in their 2-1 victory there. A cheap giveaway outside his penalty area, and it led to a Julio and, and Tiso Galazzo with about 20 minutes to go. Uh, just walloped it into the top net, and it came because Joao Felix was being sloppy with the ball. I know that that's not surprising to you, Sam. It's not surprising to me either. Uh, yeah, I, I guess very quickly before we preview the Barca game, I don't know how much longer Chelsea are going to be so enamored with Joao Felix. Uh, they have much deeper problems than him, of course, um, institutionally with their ownership, but Joao's not gone there and impressed. He's got two goal contributions in, I think, 11 Premier League games. Yeah, 800 minutes now, they've seen what he can do and what he can't do. And the things that he can't do are are very damning and glaring, and he's not showing an inclination to improve. He's trying too hard to impress, and it's only tanking his out, his own value. Yeah, and I think it, in a way, could play to Atleti's hands. I mean, there's a lot of stories about the financial um, situation of Chelsea, which... They certainly have lots of money, but they're just trying to find out how they can spend it <laughs> and still meet financial fair play and everything. But if they can find the way around that or whatever it may be, I feel like Joao Felix is the kind of thing that that he, he's that kind of player that a team like that, a team like a Chelsea, who've had a terrible season and need to make a big signing, a player who uh, who would accept not being in the Champions League next season. Um, who they would pay a big fee for and they wouldn't be uh, why he's not worth that or anything like that. I feel like Jao Felix is that kind of player who will get fans off their seats and and will be that big transfer fee, that, that statement signing without necessarily having anything to back it up. I feel like if you're a Chelsea fan, maybe signing Jao Felix this summer is an exciting prospect. And they have seen glimpses of, of his talent. Yeah, it's a very tiring situation just thinking about it. And Atletico and the player are both so much better away from one another. Um, you only have to look at the t- respective tables in their respective leagues to figure that out. Um, let's move on, Sam, and talk about next weekend's Partidazzo at Camp Nou Spotify. First hosting third, uh, Barcelona hosting Atletico. And Barca aren't playing too well right now, Sam. Uh, it has been 15 years since they've gone three consecutive uh, three consecutive games without scoring a goal. Um, that's what's happened to them. Shelled in the Copa del Rey by Real Madrid, and then back-to-back goalless draws between uh, Girona and Hetafe. What do we think is going to happen next Sunday up in Catalonia? I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> there we go. Absolutely no, no idea which Barcelona team is going to turn up. We have to remember that, yes, Barcelona have not scored a goal in three games now. But we also have to remember that Barcelona have only conceded, I think it's two goals at Camp Nou this season in La Liga. Ridiculous. And I mean, which is just absolutely crazy. I think they're on track to concede something like uh, 14 goals through the whole course of the season, which completely smashes the records. I think it's actually a letty in 2015-16 and the other one is Super Depor, one of their Super Depor seasons, I think they conceded 18 goals and at the time that seemed like absolutely unreal, how can that possibly be and now Atleti, uh, sorry Barcelona are on track to to surpass that 
by some distance as well. I'm just going to see if I can find the actual stats. But, I mean, the the defensive strength of Barcelona, I feel like if I had to pick out a, a, a prediction for this one, I'd probably say another nil-nil draw just because I can't see Atletico gambling and really going for this one. They open up enough to allow Barcelona some space to actually find a goal. But at the same time, I'd... I don't feel like Barcelona have that need to go for it. A point against Atletico Camp Nou is a decent result, and then they can start to pick up points again. But yeah, this bad run of form that they're on, I think that could influence things because that will mean that Barcelona will want to open up a little bit more because a draw, nil-nil draw against Atletico Madrid is a good result. A nil-nil draw against Atletico Madrid when you haven't won in three games is not so much. And yeah, I'm just looking at it now. It's uh, Barcelona have have conceded nine goals in 28 game, 29 games. Um, so they're on track to concede around 12 goals for this season. The record low was Atletico in 2015-2016 and Super Deport in 1993-94 when they conceded 18. Yep. So six goals less than than those two teams. And I think we think of that Diego Simeone 2016 team and that Super Deport team as incredibly defensively strong and uh, this Barcelona team is even better. It, it, it kind of bothers me that this Barca team is going to have the defensive record uh, because just the number of times Ter Stegen has stepped up and rescued them. Uh, I, I would need to look at the the expected goals against again, but I think they're they should have based on like a, a shot quality against and and other metrics like that. They should have conceded close to double what they've actually conceded. Um, th- this Barca defense and especially against top opponents which I don't know if, if we consider Atletico a top opponent right now, based on the last three months of form, I'd say they probably are. Uh, against top opponents this season, Barca's defense has been ripped to shreds um, consistently, like in the Champions League, in big league games, in the Copa del Rey just a couple of weeks ago. And Barca are in kind of a really weird place because their season is essentially over. They have a huge lead at top La Liga that they're not going to blow. Um, I know about the Excel spreadsheet that has gone viral on Atleti Twitter. I'm aware of it, but let's be realistic. They're all of their... It's happening, Jeremy. Yeah, Atletico keep winning. (laughs) Let's see if they make a fool out of me, but they have a, a, what, a nine-point lead over Madrid uh, with nine nine games to go, and Madrid are in two other competitions. Barca are going to win the league. Um, So they they have this this weird kind of... What's the motivation? Um, a partidazzo, a big game like this, could give them their motivation. And if Pedri and or Frankie de Jong returns to their midfield next weekend, that is a potentially a very different proposition for Atletico. The way Barca play with Pedri versus without is starkly different. They are a much worse team when that man is not in their midfield. Yeah, I was just looking at the XG stats and, and overall in La Liga, they've got 20... 2.75 xg against but they've only conceded nine goals so that's a difference of almost 14 goals less than they would be yeah. expected and there you go i mean i think the next lowest in expected goals against is real madrid in 26.96 so just over four more but the actual difference in goals conceded between barcelona and real madrid is 15 goals um i mean incredible really i mean atletico are the the net second best defense in la liga at this point um and there's a difference of 12 goals, and the XG is a difference of seven between Barcelona's XG against and Atletico Madrid's XG against. So, I mean, some, some great goalkeeping, some poor finishing. I mean, it, it just really 
upsets me in my like in my soul that Marcus Alonso playing centre back could break a Diego Godin record. God. Oh, don't tell <laughs> me that. So wrong. <laughs> oh, don't even tell me that. Oh, you're right, Marcus Alonso. Oh. Man, that is frustrating. Marcus Alonso and Andreas Christensen, oh, the best centre-backs in La Liga. Yeah, and Christensen ha- has legit been pretty good uh, and was a, a really shrewd signing on a free transfer from, ironically, Chelsea. But Marcus Alonso, wow. I have no idea why they acquired him. Um, and Jordi but, Alba. You, and you what's left of Jordi Alba, yeah. Just wait for Jordi Alba to leave Atletico, the best La Liga defence ever and then come ever. and join Atletico on a free and make Renan Lodi look like Roberto Carlos. Man, you know, I wonder if that actually is going to happen because Barca have been trying to get rid of his salary for two years now uh, with no success. They had this move to uh, this uh, move to Inter apparently sorted out over the summer, but he ixnayed it. Um, Atletico have a clear need at left back with Renildo's injury. They don't want to spend money slash, you know, whatever, can't spend money, you know, I wonder if that is not a realistic possibility for the summer yeah. that Jordi Alba comes I've, to Atletico. I've heard some whispers, but not much more than whispers, and I like to imagine that that's all they are, <laughs> mm. and that nothing will, will come of it, because, yeah, I feel like for both of them, it's for both Jordi Alba and Atletico Madrid, it's not a move that you particularly want to happen. I'm thinking Luis Suarez. Atletico were desperate for Luis Suarez yeah. at that moment in time, and Luis Suarez was desperate to stay in Spain at a big team that could compete. So the only real option is Atleti. Jordi Alba, I feel like Jordi Alba doesn't particularly want to play for Atletico Madrid. I don't feel like Atletico Madrid particularly want Jordi Alba past it, left back. But I guess, is he a decent wing back option? And then I think, I've just thought of this, but when you put it into context, Jordi Alba, Sergio Reguilon, I'm I'm not sure which is 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 worse. Like, <laughs> would you rather fall from a building or be run over by a truck? <laughs> Neither, but <laughs> who would play less, Reguilon or Alba? Uh, well, I feel like it's almost impossible to play less than Sergio Reguilon. Yeah, five games this year, less than a hundred minutes total. What a signing! And I was excited when he signed. I don't. <laughs> Because it, it, it was, it, it came so quickly, right? And it made you think, well, Atletico have a plan here. They were prepared for this. Well, no, no, they weren't. Uh, Regulon, it, th- thank God it was only a dry loan. Because if they had paid any transfer fee for Regulon, ruinous. Just a disaster of a signing. Uh, but Simeone has, well, as he... Like the, the Docker team, my Docker team, deadline day signing, where you think, wow, Diego Simeone's a genius. He's brought in this right back to free up... Um, Nawal Molina to free up Marcos Llorente, and then he's played what twelve minutes. Twelve minutes, yeah. So between between Regulon and Dofferty, who both started the midweek friendly against Besiktas in Turkey, um, they have played a total of one hundred and ten minutes between them. Those are your backup fullbacks, just masterful squad planning. Um, but Simeone, as he has so many times over these last well, eleven years, twelve years. Um, as he's done so many times, and it's why he's so highly, handsomely, richly paid, is he finds solutions. He makes it work. He'll change the formation. He'll change the players' positions. He'll change little subtle things like tactically, strategically. He'll find a way to make it work and keep Atleti in the top three. And he's done it again. Atletico were... that they had, They've had a 16-point turnaround on Real Sociedad, which I did not think they would do. 
They were seven back at La Real, and now they're nine up after the Basque Derby result on Saturday. Wow. Yeah, I think uh, we also need to recognize that Real Sociedad have kind of collapsed. Again. Which is something that they tend to do in the, the latter stage of the season. But, I mean, it's it's been some turnaround. I mean, you know, Christmas, the World Cup, talking about Diego Simeone can't stay without the Champions League. There won't be enough money to pay his wages. And here we are, we're yeah, having 12 points clear of Betis in fifth now. And which part of that is that not just Real Sociedad, but Real Betis have collapsed a little bit as well. And nobody's really come on. Villarreal haven't been that convincing. Athletic, inconsistent. I mean, nobody's really kind of stepped up with Betis and Villarreal stepping off. So, yeah, but that that gap has really opened up now. And I think we can at least at least rest easy about the qualifying for the Champions League. Oh, yeah. The, a 12-point gap, as you said, between third and fifth. Uh, and, and these these teams right below Atletico that, that played so well in the first half of the season, La Real, Betis, Villarreal, Athletic 2, Rio to a degree, it, it's just over a 38-game season. If you don't have the requisite depth and experience even, it's just punishing. It, it takes a lot to succeed and remain consistent over a 38-game stretch. And La Real, as nicely as they play at times, as many good players as they have, uh, just, uh, again, struggling with multiple competitions. Uh, they were playing in the Europa League and the Cup, whereas Atletico weren't. And it, it comes back to, to bite you. It, it ends up costing you. But La Real is still in a, in a pretty decent position. Do they still have a head-to-head with Betis? I think, yeah, they do. Uh, on the 25th. Yeah, they have a head-to-head at the Via Marin. That'll be a big game. Yeah, I know that's a... That's a big game in that race, yeah. Oof. No, I'm just looking now at the, the table for, yeah, for expected points, which is where they calculate what points would have been if the expected goals had been the real goals and so on. Mm. And up well, the 2022 section of the season would have had Atleti in sixth with 23.56 points from 15 games. Um, behind Valencia... Of all teams, wow! Valencia, of course, in the in the relegation zone, are looking increasingly like they're going to be relegated. Um, and then in the fourteen games since then, Atletico had twenty eight point seven one. So yeah, there's a three point difference there, but it's not actually as big a difference as you might have thought. So, but yeah, I mean the the other teams around them have completely fallen off. I mean, expected points. Um, Real Sociedad um, are in fourth, um, but have underscored their expected points significantly. Real Betis are even lower; they're eighth on inspected points. I mean, you know, just teams that have completely fallen apart yeah. since the World Cup, basically. And Atletico have obviously been so good since the World Cup, largely. 13 unbeaten, looking to make it 14 next weekend. And if, and if they do beat Barcelona at Camp Nou, Spotify would be their first win at that stadium since 2006. They would get to within 10 points of Barca. Madrid could close to within eight with uh, eight rounds to go. It would take really a, a miracle uh, for anyone other than Barcelona to win the league. But you know, that there might be a couple of doubts creeping in. Barca, for the last couple of months, really haven't been playing that well as their season's petered out. So we will see how next Sunday's Partidazzo 
plays out. And we'll be right here to talk about it when it's over. Uh, that's going to do it for today's edition of Colt Chanero Chat. I want to thank my guest, Sam Leverage, for hopping on the show today. Thanks, Sam. Thanks for having me, Charlie. You can find us both on Twitter. He's at Sam Leverage. I'm at JB Barron. You can follow our uh, written work at intothecalderon.com. Uh, and you can subscribe, listen to all new and archived episodes of Colt Chanero Chat and the Partido a Partido podcast uh, as part of the Fans First Sports Network. You can find us anywhere. Spotify, Apple, you name it. Just search uh, Atletico Madrid Podcast Network. If you want bonus content and exclusive Atleti insight, become a Colt Chanero Chat amigo at patreon.com slash Colt Chanero Chat. And I now have to try to open my phone to stop the recording. That'll do it for this edition of the show. Thanks so much for listening. And until next time, adios.